Hello, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So, thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Hello, Laura. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well, considering the circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's okay. You know, it's an odd thing. I always ask people how they're doing. And in this day and age, you don't necessarily want your friends to do that standard. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine. And yet, sometimes that's just where we are in that moment because that's all we can be, right? There's only so much we can control in the midst of a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, Laura Flessner. You are currently my friend, yes, and yes. AOPI's sister also, and you are the chapter advisor for one of our collegiate chapters, and you have agreed to come and talk to me about what this looks like for you, how you are surviving and thriving in the midst of COVID-19, and any great words of wisdom and and pearls of advice we might want to share that may or may not help someone else. So thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to join me and to talk a little bit about what it's like for you. But first, let's talk about how you came to be an AOPI. What is your AOPI story? Um, so my AOPI story starts when I was in my mother's womb, basically. <laughs> um, I know your mother. I agree I with that legacy. statement. <laughs> um, I went to my first AOPI meeting when I was like three months old. Um, no, but so that aside, um, I grew up around AOPI, obviously, and I we moved around a lot when I was a kid, and that can be really hard, having to make friends, and I noticed my mom would instantly have this group of friends everywhere we went, um, and I'm like, Mom, what? How, <laughs> how do you make friends so quickly? Um, and I was always the shy type growing up, so that was really harder for me, and you know, she's like, well, I'm an AOPI, and everywhere I go, there are AOPIs, and it's like this instant connection. And so I always understood the bigger picture of AOPI from the beginning, um, but I didn't really understand what a collegiate chapter, what that meant, because I never really, obviously, I didn't experience that until college. Um, I'm pretty sure my mom signed me up for recruitment. Um <laughs> She's going to kill me for saying that. Uh, I didn't have any interest in actually joining a sorority. It wasn't my top priority. My top priority was my major. Exactly what I had to do since I was born. Um, I am a teacher. I knew I wanted to become a teacher. And um, that was the first priority in a school. And if they had an AOPI chapter, great. But that, again, it wasn't, it wasn't high on the list. Um, for my mom, probably secretly, everywhere we visited, she goes, oh, but they have an AOPI chapter. I don't know that it was so secret. (laughs) I think she was probably pretty open about that. She was very (laughs) open about it, but, um, again, it wasn't 
that wasn't and and she knew she wanted me to be happy with I, the teacher part of it um just finding the right place for me and well then, and you have a panhellenic family so your mother is an AOPI, but your grandmother mm-hmm. is a different member of our Panhellenic yes. sisterhood. So, so she really did have an understanding that it needed to be about you as much as I think she wanted. And of course, it worked out, we think, beautifully to share it with yes. you. But yeah, I think, I think that she understood the options out there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, my grandma, she was in the Alpha Gamma Delta at Wisconsin, and, and my, I mean, it's an entire Greek family because my dad was also in a fraternity. Um, and so, yeah, and, and then joined, went through recruitment. Um, I am not one that loves recruitment. I am, thank God I have a good <laughs> recruitment advisor because um, it's not my strong suit. Um, and went through recruitment, wasn't really my thing, but I, I joined AOPI and it was instant like, oh, I have a home. Um, and, you know, I was there for four years and then graduated. And now, and tell of, everyone we're there. Was. Oh, sorry. Um, I actually went to Cal Poly, which is now the collegiate chapter and the chapter advisor for. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't, it wasn't really this experience where, I mean, I'm not really, still really close with any of my collegiate sisters that I went to college with, but I'm actually close with um, members that I had actually met through going to convention and leadership institute when I was in college. So it's kind of a funny story when girls tell me, the ladies will say like, these are the friendships that last you a lifetime. And then I'm like, well, I'm really close with my, with the women that I met at international events, you know, um, just cause we clicked more. Um, and right after school, it was the recession. There were no jobs. And um, sure enough, I got hired in the district eventually. It took over a year. And one of the principals in my school district is an AOPI. Um, I yeah. love this connection. <laughs> yes, connections everywhere. And then, um, yeah, and then I uh, decided I wanted to get involved with the foundation. Um, and so I volunteered for them as a foundation ambassador for several years. And then Kelly Abbott, um, good friend of mine, came up to me at a couple conventions ago and tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, have you ever thought about being an advisor? And I said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, and I thought I was too young. I didn't want to. I live five minutes away from Cal Poly literally. And I thought, I have too much connection there. You know, it's, it's too soon. Um, and she goes, Laura, you've been out for more than six years. <laughs> so that was a you moment. Don't know anyone there. <laughs> and she said, but I understand you want to go and get a different experience. I said, yes, if I can. Um, and so I became an advisor for Sonoma State for Zyro Chapter. And so different than Cal Poly, completely, you know, completely different um, Greek community because they don't have houses. They're much smaller. Um, and so that was a great learning experience. And I traveled the four and a half hours up to that chapter many oh. times every semester. Yes. And it's a semester system, too, which is different than Cal Poly because we're in quarters and um, was their standards advisor as my very first advisor role. 
that's that's a lot. Yep. And I say that with a great amount of respect. I have never <laughs> been a standards advisor for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but the, um, the VP standards at Sonoma State, Kira, was just amazing. She made my life so much easier. Um, we were totally on the same page, and we worked really well. Kind of a cool. We built that rapport and that relationship with those women. That then becoming chapter advisor was just a natural, you know, a natural fit. And um, you know, I, I got them back on track with their paperwork and a lot of things that needed a lot of adjustment. Um, and then I realized, you know, it's my time. I need to you know, move on, close this chapter and move on to another, you know, another opportunity of another chapter or something, just because four and a half hours away is a lot. And um, so again, Kelly Abbott tapped me on the shoulder and she said, hey, we are going to have a chapter advisor opening at Cal Poly. Would you, would you mind taking it? And with some like, you know, going back and forth asking questions, I said, you know what? Okay. It's been more than six years now. It's been... (laughs) Um, about a decade now so it's been about 10 years since I graduated so I'm like okay I can do that Um, and you know what shout out to the women of Zyro who created such an opportunity for you to enjoy and thrive and not only help them experience their fullest but for them to help you experience yours to know that when it's time to close that chapter in your own life and start a new one, that you can do so with love and experience and appreciation Mm -hmm. for them. I think that speaks volumes not only for what you're able to offer, but what the women of Zyro were able to offer to you in that growth. Because I think there there is probably never a role that we serve within a collegiate chapter where we don't have personal growth. But when you can then take that and build on it for the next chapter you serve, then I think it has to, has to really, um, we, we have to give a shout out to that, to, to all of the women that were a part of it, the advisors and the collegians as well. So shout out to Zyro for that. I know. And they're wonderful. And I think as an advisor, what I've learned is that, and, and just as a, you know, as with maturity and stuff, I've learned that you need to realize, okay, I've given all that I can give at this point and recognizing what they really need and what they really needed by the time I was, you know, transitioning out of my role, they needed somebody who was closer that could then help them work on the next area that they, um, an area of growth that they had. Um, and for that area of growth, they needed somebody closer. I helped them at the time of what they needed, but now they needed somebody else that could help them out with something else that they need to work on. And um, and it's important to recognize that. So oh, that it's And that's sometimes a hard thing for for women to recognize, you know, especially because we become we really do become like family to the women. There are sisters that even I've only spent a weekend with who, when I see them, I really do want to hug them and talk about all of the things that have happened, just like my own family. And and so shout out to all of you. Yes. And then it was just this last fall, correct, that you were elected chapter mm-hmm. advisor 
at Kaisai. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. This fall in November. So this is completely what you signed up for, like pandemic and all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. Sure. Um, oh my. <laughs> definitely a whirlwind uh, um, coming in in January um, and I have to give the women of Kaisai so much credit because um, they've never had an advisor at least I think the last advisor that they've had where the person has been physically close um, has been probably 30 years since last time they've had a local advisor Um, and so they're not used to somebody being Physically versus, versus like. Oh, wait a minute, Laura. Hang on. It paused. So wait, wait, so wait. It paused on us. There so, all the time. Wait, it paused on us. So I, I think what it was is that they've spent the better part of the last three decades not having someone right on site. And that now you are that person. You live just a few minutes down the road, right? Yep. I okay. live five minutes away from the house. Okay. And. So they're just getting used to that of just having a person there, and they're like, they're like, well, where do you where do you sit in the chapter meetings? And, said, <laughs> like, and this is two hundred women this in the is room. A fair they're like, because like, they don't know what to do with somebody there. It's so funny, and so we've just. It's just been this, like you know, kind of natural, um, organic. Like, well, okay, we're just going to run with this. And, and they're really adapting really well. And um, and now, of course, now we're going to virtual. Finally get to be physically present, and now I don't get to be. But Well, at least they are used to this. <laughs> Bless their hearts. Laura, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like for them. Obviously, this, I mean, I think it's a fair statement to say that it caught all of us off guard. Tell me what these women are doing to to help sort of combat that and, and to create a sisterhood and a leadership team in the midst of this. What does that look like for all of you? Well, I am really, really fortunate that I have a wonderful leadership council that I'm working with, and um, they have been just, and and the amount, I mean, I feel like this is probably a lot of campuses and a lot of places, but a lot of the information was coming out every second. Um, It was something different, and the president and I were going back and forth. I have connections at Cal Poly myself, so I'm getting other information as well. So we're just trying to figure it out. And so at first they were going to come back late. And um, this is a brand new order for them they're going into. Um, So thankfully it's not like mid-semester at Cal Poly. But then they decided, you know what, the university, um, we're going virtual for the rest of the year. Okay. So so that puts them through summer, right? Like yep. June-ish? Yeah, uh, they go until mid-June. Okay. hmm And so they, we instantly had a meeting of kind of more of like TCPC, so the Total Chapter Programming Committee meeting. Um, those members of all the people that have main events, we just kind of came together and, and as well as the VP Finance, and we just started talking and planning and then we've had actually
I'll see virtual meetings um, since then. They have handled it with such grace and um, maturity, and they're just like, this is, they want to be as transparent as possible, but they are looking at the reality of 200 women calling in virtually is very difficult. Um, so chapter is going to be interesting. We haven't had our first virtual chapter meeting, but what they want to do is divide the chapter into smaller groups as well and do some you know, coffee dates. And they do, during the new member period, they do um, rose buddies is what they call it. And, you know, I think a lot of chapters do something where they, you know, pair up um, new members with with actives. And um, in this case, they want to do that, but like in kind of in small coffee dates and trying to make sure that everyone's connected. Um, Their goal is to make sure that everyone is you know, stays connected in the sense of, you know, we care, we're here, what do you need? Um, Some of the women are going through financial constraints right now because they don't have a job. How can we help you? So that's, all those questions keep coming up. So it's a little little worrisome, but they're handling it well. And tell me from this perspective, and, and this is a... To be clear, people may not realize we don't prep for these questions in advance. So there may not always be an answer. Um, it's not like I send you a list of questions. It really is unscripted. Um, what do you see as as the biggest challenge right now for our women, just from your perspective? If, if there is one, it, it may be that they're all the same. I mean, I think with that, you kind of have to look at the generation that we're we're working with, and I think it's really important as advisors. And I mean, I do this in my professional career as well. Anyone that you're looking, or that, I'm sorry, anyone that you're working with, you need to understand what drives them, what motivates them. And this generation, what I have learned is that you know they are an instant generation. Every they have instant information at their fingertips. Um, they can multitask like no other. <laughs> um, they are very good multitaskers. They can be on 50 different websites at once and still have a conversation <laughs> with you. Um, and process that conversation. Yes, and process it. I'm like, geez. Because I will be in the middle of talking to my 16-year-old, and I will say, son, look at me so that you can hear what I'm saying. And he will just verbatim say the last three things that have come out of my mouth. And I'm like, okay, keep looking at your screen while, <laughs> while I talk to you. Apparently, it works. <laughs> it works. So you're right. It is a very instant generation, and they do process volumes of information so quickly. Yes, and so I think their biggest concern is that human connection and they really you know people you know all about technology and rather text and everything but what I've noticed with some of the women is that they rather just sit down and have a one-on-one conversation Mm -hmm. you know and so not having that physical presence that all human beings we all really want that physical presence um this generation especially I think even though, yes, you would think, oh, they have all this technology at their hands. I think it's hard for them. And, you know, and other big challenges is finances. Um, 
I've also learned that to them, I mean, they are very, very good about looking at their finances and where that money's going towards. Mm-hmm. You're not And wrong. asking questions. Yes. They're very good about asking questions of, you know, okay, well, this is how much, but why, you know, explain to me where this amount is going. And which is, it is a very fair question and we need to be transparent. And um, why it's valuable to them. Mm-hmm. So, so this book that we're reading as part of our executive board development um, called Marketing to Gen Z, that is one of the, the biggest things that I have taken away from what I've read so far is that they're willing to pay for something, but they're very frugal with their money and it has to be valuable to them. They will even pay a premium if it is valuable, but if it is not, you don't get their business again, which is something as a sisterhood we also need to remember because while we are a sisterhood, we are also a business. And we do want what we offer to be valuable for what they pay. And in times like these, that's going to be very difficult. And I think we, to your point, we have to be honest about it and what we can offer and what we cannot and and what the options are for that. I think it's a huge reality check for all of us because I think a lot of people in the greater world outside of Panhellenic is there's this thought that everyone who joins a sorority has free money, you know, and even as far back as I was in school, if I had not had scholarships, if there was so much money for college, but that was it, it was finite. And if I had not had money for scholarships, then I would not have had the spare money for sorority life. And, And I think that if there had been something like this, then I would have to start very quickly prioritizing what it is that I must have, you know, your your basic food, water, shelter needs. And then, you know, what then comes next? Education, obviously, very, very important. And and for me, I mean, it's, it's not a big leap to know that, that AOPI was very, very high on that priority <laughs> list then as it is now. Um, but, but I think that we can't discount that as people, as individuals, as an organization, that this will dramatically impact our women um, emotionally. Yes, to your point, I think that this generation, for as digitally connected as they are, I think they do still love that hug. And I think that, that I've yet to find one that doesn't want one when I'm standing around. Um, and and yet that's not available to us. And then how do we relieve some of that financial stress for them while still providing what resources we can. And I don't think there is an, an one-size-fits-all answer to that. I think that it is, I know that our chapters are working diligently to see how we can do that on the chapter level. You, I am sure, have met with your vice president of finance in the chapter and your network specialist of finance and all of the good people that make all of those decisions, but, but they are important. Um, the fact that they are financial makes them so important. And it is it is very, very challenging, I think, for our women because I think there will be some where the finances don't meet the priority. And, mm-hmm. and we will have to, you know, really work with our women to help them through it. 
and it is it is sad as sad and challenging as it is now i think those times we're going to have to continue to work with with compassion and to balance social responsibility and fiscal responsibility and mm-hmm. and to know that you know our sisterhood was was meant to be we were established in times of hardship for women and have endured wars and and other pandemics which is kind of wild to think about but this is, it is the first one of its kind for so many of us. In fact, for nearly all of us. And and this is a generation that grew up much like you, um, following the recession. And they come from a place where finances are always top of mind. And it is something that we're going to have to continue to work toward to create the exceptional membership experience we want to get back to. You know, I think we we are all trying to find it virtually now, but that's hard. And and to your point, I think these women are are doing their very best. I love the idea of having coffee dates to make sure that every woman is connected to someone. Um, that has to be beyond value because to your point, much like in a chapter meeting, there's always someone in the back corner of the room who's on her phone. Um, and, and the same oh, would be yes. true in virtual, in virtual groups. But you know, those are those are the women too that, when I was in college, I used to think, oh come on, don't you want to chair a committee or don't you want to show up for more than five minutes? And and they didn't. And AOPI met them where they were. And these are the same women that are getting together now as adults, 25, 30 years later, who are loving AOPI and thrilled that their daughters will be legacies in a few years when they go through. And I think. But you, but you weren't a chapter officer, or you weren't a. And what I've learned through the years is that AOPI really can meet you where you are. But it's so different for all of us where that place is, and for some people it is to be in the back of the room, you know, just showing up and enjoying that experience. And for others, it's to lead and serve and to be the chapter president. And I think that both of those is so valuable. You just have to recognize it. But to make sure that that outreach is now, whether it's a woman who wants to be front and center in a, in a virtual meeting with 200 women or the woman who just wants that five-minute check-in, that's important right now. And to recognize that for each people, each person rather, but to, but to check on our people and to at least let them know we're here if they need us. And I hadn't thought about coffee dates or rolling chapter meeting hours or anything like that. So, so I think that's pretty yeah. fabulous. They're doing some other stuff too. They're being really creative. Like um, I'm trying to think they, they have a running document, like a Google document that they're just writing ideas on and they're, they're still on spring break because their spring break was extended mm-hmm. due to all of this happening. And they're just, I think they're going to be ready to roll on the, at the first official leadership council meeting of the quarter which is not this week but next week and I think they're going to have a really good list of ideas if they want to do a resume workshop since it's the end of the school year it's a great time to do that um but a virtual one and I mean so they have a lot of a good starting point and I think going back to your point of AOPI meeting you where you're at I think that's been a huge lesson I've learned since college because in college I was involved and and it would always frustrate me being on LC when people would be in the back room doing that and it's just like no get off your phones um and then I'm even thinking what happened when self when my mom was in school and self was born around and you still probably have those members that just you know were sitting in the back like 
why am I here kind of thing. Okay, to be but, clear, cell phones weren't around when I was in college. <laughs> like, I like, wasn't going to say that. Freshman, sophomore year, I got my very first one, and it was like that bag phone in your car business. So be careful <laughs> what you say for us. My mom will kill me later. Um, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's it's so the some of the same challenges are different now, and some of them are the same. And what I try to remind the women is that AOPI was founded, like, and I've explained the reason why why we were founded. And I said, essentially, we were founded on acceptance and tolerance. And we need to make sure that we understand we have every, you know, every type of woman, you know, no matter race, religion, beliefs, and thank goodness everything. we do. Oh my goodness. And if we didn't have that, AOPI would not be what it is today. And what a boring and, place it would be. No. <laughs> and so and I and it's great because I look around Kai Sai alone and it's it's become just this I mean it was not as big as it is now. It was more than I think it was less than half the size actually than it is now. And I just look around and I'm so proud of these women because the things that they come up and say and the things that they're involved in, and these women are very involved women. They're in you know, all these different clubs and have different priorities and things that they're, I mean, they started an arthritis club on campus for women that are women and men that are struggling with arthritis and it's a support group. And that's um, amazing. They have an anxiety um, group that if any women are feeling anxious or um, any sort of mental health stuff, then they can, they do, you know, yoga on the beach and they have all these different, all these different um, opportunities for all the women in their chapter. And so I just have to remind the leaders of the chapter, like, you're going to have all the different women that join for different reasons. And that's what make it. That's what makes us AOPI. Yes. And, um, but that's definitely been one of the biggest lessons as an advisor I've learned over the years. Isn't it the truth, though? Now, Laura, you are a teacher in the world outside of AOPI, and you are also someone who is now making changes to that world in your own. Tell me a little bit about how you are staying calm in the midst of this crisis. So, I I feel like I'm treating this as if it's any other crisis um, in my classroom. And what I mean by that is, as a teacher, you have you have to be ready at any minute for any sort of thing that's any curveball that's being thrown at you, whether it's a student who is just having a really hard time and is screaming at you, which that has happened or a chair thrower. So that's the extreme on one end or, you know, you have, wait, I'm sorry. Did you say a chair thrower? Yeah. Okay, so so I just wanted to make sure I understood properly. So that is the extreme. I yes. who likes to pick up furniture. Got it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And also kick holes in walls. So oh you've my. had those extremes, and then you have the other extreme of you know kids that are just really just happy all the time and 
just love coming to school. And um, so you have all these things that are being thrown at you all the time. And maybe it's a fire drill in the middle of the day. So I have all, my life is always constantly changing. And I think if you don't remain calm and consistent for the students, how are the students going to remain calm and consistent and, and be able to function in your classroom? And so I'm always just trying to be like, I need to be positive because if I'm not positive and calm, then my students and all the people around me, it's not going to help the situation. It's going to make it worse. And we just like uh, Cal Poly, my school district, it was, well, we might be canceling school. Okay, it looks like we are canceling school. I mean, it went from zero to 60 in about two seconds. I listened to the um, podcast with Jane Allen the other day, and I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. That was my experience. Um, And our school district, though, we went from finding out that school was closed for two weeks on a Friday, um, and this is a couple weeks ago, to finding out over the weekend um, it actually might be extended to then finding out midweek that following week when we are closed, actually, we're going to be closed longer and you will have to be teaching online and doing what we call distance learning. Most of the teachers did not have any of their stuff. It was all in their classrooms thinking we were just closed for two weeks. So teachers had to scramble and get some stuff together. And, um, for me, the technology piece is I'm very good and pretty strong with technology, but it's been a transition because I'm used to still having that in-person contact with kids every day and being able to read their body language. And and Laura, remind me what age children that you teach? I teach sixth grade, so okay. 11 and 12 year I thought it was about my Wyatt's age, but yeah, okay. Yeah, and as you know about that age group, they're starting to go through the hormones and the emotions and all of that, and then adding this on top of it. Um, It's hard because I want to be there to listen to my kids, and now I'm having to do that virtually. So we have some of my students, I have office hours every day, or kids can say, hey, Ms. Flessner, can I just talk to you for a little while? Because I have kids by themselves at home. Oh, my. And they're 12 and or they're taking care of their siblings or you know they just eat and some I mean I have one kid who just likes to say hi because she just wants to it's it's not because she's home alone or anything she just wants to talk to her teacher and um, I think that's the hardest part of all this so the the learning itself is definitely very different and and we've definitely it's been a whirlwind but we're getting through we're making by and it's one of those moments where you realize how many friends you have you start leaning on each other and In sharing the truth. <laughs> yeah. and um, my best friend at work that I work at the same school I work at again AOPI connection her mom is uh, one of the charter members of Kai Sai chapter or oh, one of wow. the first pledge classes of Kai Sai chapter that's so, amazing she joined another um Panalemic sorority at Cal Poly. She did not go um, AOPI, but that's okay. It is okay. And, um, but it's just fun. The, she the can still be our friend. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, she can. I love her. She's awesome. And so she and I worked really closely and have been kind of just getting through this together. So 
I love that for you. And I, I think it's really important. We talk a lot about what we can do for others, but also what we are doing to sustain ourselves. And, you know, for me, I find that I have been extremely busy during this time because I am trying to manage our office, which is closed, but we are still seeing emergency patients, but also help create opportunities opportunities rather like this to to reach out to our members and sisters and friends that may listen to the podcast and find even one small moment of connection that would just give them that opportunity to take a deep breath and know that everyone's experiencing something and and yet we also have to replenish ourselves and while you know, it's commonly known <laughs> that I enjoy a little pop and sparkle, you know, I and I do keep it a, a well-stocked champagne bar. Um, I do only have a glass in the evenings. I don't have a bottle, which is good to know. And, and I pick the bottles based on how pretty the labels are. I, I know painfully little about wine and champagne. And, and so I go to the market and I go, oh, I love this bottle. It's so pretty. Let me put it, whether it's a $6 bottle or a $60 bottle is all irrelevant. I don't know what the rating is either. I don't look at that. But but at the end of the day, you need more than a glass of champagne, or at least I do. And, and I, I really really have and I pride myself on being a strong woman. I think that one of the hardest parts for me has been to and I have wonderful friends and I'm I'm so fortunate that I do. I'm an only child. So our sisterhood has created a true family for me outside of the world I grew up in. But but I I thought I would find it very difficult to reach out and say, okay, I've hit a wall and I need someone. And I have been able to shoot that text message out and say, okay, I just need to know this is good. And I thought that that would come very hard for me because I am a very, um, I, I think I am most of the time, a very strong, disciplined, thoughtful person. And there have been moments that all three of those things have gone just out of the the space and and I think that we also have to remember that no matter where our strengths lie that it's okay to reach out to a sister and say okay I need a minute I I need something give me something and even if it's just to know that everyone is in that space and that everyone has hit their own brick wall of sorts when it comes to the positivity and yet then you take that breath and you remember that it is that it is going to be okay. Whatever okay looks like, whatever the new normal is that will make it, I think the really amazing thing is that on the other side of whatever this looks like, that we will have made it together. And that's mm-hmm. that's huge, I think. But, you know, I'm still also picking out champagne bottles, so you never know. <laughs> I have a very large wine collection being in California, <laughs> um, and I live in a wine country, so... Yeah. Helpful on some days. Sisterhood's helpful on others. I know. Well, I have my, you know, I've, I definitely have, I'm trying to think of the words for this, but I am one that I thrive on a schedule. Um, Not in a type A way. It just helps me function. And not having a schedule, I definitely kind of went into this, not a panic, but just kind of, 
okay, this is going to be weird not having a schedule. And um, my way of kind of adapting and kind of taking it in, I have hit a couple walls, to be honest. Um, and what I love is that I have I have a very close-knit group of friends that we've been friends since college. There's just four of us girls. And the other day, I literally was like, and I never cry, ever. It's very rare. And, um, and I called her up, and I'm like, tears in my eyes, but not fully crying, but tears in my eyes. And she's like, and she doesn't even ask me what's wrong because she knows my personality. And she just starts talking to me about, like, random stuff making me laugh. And I just needed that moment. And now you're making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I just needed a moment where it's like, I just need to get this out. And she didn't talk about being inside. She just, like, random stuff. And I needed that so badly. And um, because I think, too, I'm constantly having to put on a face with people. Um, But it's good to know that I do have that friend base where I can just let it out if I need to. And it's okay Um, to say that things aren't okay. Everything's not always fine. (laughs) Yep. I, you know, going back to the very beginning when you said, how are you? Um, I've tried to start this more. I don't remember. Oh, I think it was, um, I'm sorry. I'm terrible with adult names. Unless you're 12, I'm really bad with names. It was <laughs> Tina, the, the guest speaker, um, the keynote speaker at uh, Leadership Academy. Yes. So I remember her saying something about when you, when you say, how are you? And people just go, I'm fine. Right. And then she's like, then her friend one day said, no, really, how are you? And it made me really think like, wow, we, we say that all the time to each other and we really don't ask, how are you really? Mm-hmm. You know, and I Women think I particularly really, I find, mm-hmm. and yet everything's fine. The yep. world is, is falling to pieces, but everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I really wish that people would start doing that more. You know, I want to do that more with my friends. How are you really? You know, like, tell me how you're really doing. And um, so that's kind of a new goal for once once we're, you know, I mean, even just the phone calls I've been making, I'm like, how are are you really doing right now? Well, Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to solve the problem. I reached out via text (laughs) to a dear sister last week, and I said, I'm just touching base to see how you are. And she sent a note back and, and she was like, you know, we're, we're doing okay. We're holding our own. And then she sent another note back and it was just this pages of text message. And at the bottom she goes, okay, so maybe I wasn't as great as I thought, but I feel so much better now. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need somebody to like listen and yes. you just And it was the funniest thing. There. And I sent her a note and I said, text me anytime. You know, like it was fine because, because there's, there's nothing I can do from my walls in South Mississippi to fix the chaos for her, except to be that person that she can text like a book to. And I was fine reading the book. And, and then when we did have a call later in the week, it was, there was frame of reference and it was great. But I, I think that you're right. Like to know that, that sometimes things really are fine, but when they're not, that's really okay too. And Laura, I think that you are, Oh, hold on one second. 
did we get you back? Yep. Yep. I don't know okay. If it was you or me? Well, I don't know, but it was like a hot second, and then there you were again. But I was just going to say that I appreciate you very much for taking the opportunity to speak to me to talk about all of the important things that that we are talking about and to give a little bit of hope to our sisters who are maybe not having a fine day but that we'll see another one very soon so for all of us thank you thank you on behalf of can i say one more of course you can yes so I, ha- I, I just wanted to share this because I thought this was actually kind of cool. Um, one of my good friends told me about the 30-day challenge, and no, it is not a diet. Um, <laughs> I, could never, I could never give up hot chocolate, so it's not a diet. But it's a 30-day challenge to try something new or to make a goal. And so I have now started to do yoga and meditation every day for 30 days. And then the other one is to reach out to somebody who I have not talked to in a while every day. And it has definitely been kind of a saving grace during this time. You know what? I love that. And I think it is the perfect thing to leave with all of our sisters and friends. So think about what you may want to do for the next 30 days. Something new, something inspiring, eventful, fun, or maybe just emotionally growing um, for each of our friends and sisters. I love the idea of finding something new, and I'll have to think about what that will be for me. If anyone finds their own, inbox me. I would love to hear about it. And Laura, thank you again for joining us. And for everyone out there, as always, thank you for listening and stay well.